Today's episode of the Finding Light podcast is sponsored by David Pollard at Raymond James Partners Financial Group, which specializes in helping families and businesses manage their investments so that they can spend their time where it matters most. And Tillman Eye Center, which serves Carrollton, Georgia, with a wide range of optometry services in a professional and comfortable environment with staff who care. and welcome to the Finding Light podcast, where we talk about finding light and happiness despite the dark circumstances we may be facing. I'm your host, Sarah Claudia Tillman, joined by my lovely co-host, Erica Rivers. Hey, hey. And we're so excited to be back with all of our wonderful listeners today. And as always on the Finding Light podcast, we like to focus on the positive, no matter how little or how small. So we're going to talk about the best things that happened to us this week. Yes. And mine actually happened over the weekend. See, my brother is um, working on his doctorate right now. So he's pretty busy up in Kennesaw. So we don't see him that much. But this weekend, he made time out of his busy schedule to come <laughs> visit. And we had some really good family time and played some spinner and some Aww. games. So it was nice. I love spinner. You taught me how to play that. Jackson, your husband loved that game. Oh my gosh. He's obsessed. We literally played it all night with our blindfolds on. Yeah. <laughs> my brother wouldn't let us blindfold him. To ah, play. man. Well, he should have because it was an experience. Yeah. Next no, time. Well, my best thing, <laughs> Seth wanted me to say this one. So shout mm. out to Seth. Oh, but yeah. Jackson and I bought a step stool this week. <laughs> what? Is this, is that it? (laughs) That's it. Well, we always say no matter how big or how small. (laughs) Exactly. We've been needing a step stool for almost a year now. Well, actually it's a year grown. You know you're an adult. (laughs) When? When you get excited. When you get excited. And it was a good deal. It was like $5 at TJ Maxx. Uh. (laughs) Well. All right. Moving on. That was so awkward, but our Bible verse of the week is actually from our guest today, Allie Grizzard. It's her favorite verse. It comes from 2 Timothy 4, 17. It says, but the Lord stood with me and gave me strength so that I might preach the good news in its entirety for all of the Gentiles to hear. And he even rescued me from certain death. Mm. And that's so true. Mm -hmm. The Lord's always standing with us and giving that strength to Mm -hmm. us. I love that verse. Mm -hmm. I'm excited to hear what Allie has to say about it. Yeah. Do you want to say anything about why that's your favorite? It is my favorite because it was at the, I got it actually tattooed on my ankle um, not long after my accident. And that verse just stood out to me because when I hear it or when I read it, I think of, you know, all these times I'm in physical therapy and I'm like working on standing mm-hmm. and walking and everything. That verse stands out because it's, it reminds me that, you know, he's with me mm-hmm. and standing with me and giving me strength to do it. So that's why I love it. I love that. And I, that's awesome. I love when you find a verse that you can really meditate yes. on. I think mm-hmm. it's such a, like it's a mental thing, but it's also a spiritual thing. Yes. How much those words can just change your outlook. Yeah. But mm-hmm. As you heard, our guest today is Allie Grizzard, and she's going to share her story today. She was in an accident a little over five years ago, actually the same year, a few months before I lost my sight was her Mm -hmm. accident. And 
She's going to share how she found the strength and the determination to keep moving forward despite the immense physical and emotional challenges that that accident brought. So we're excited to be here. Mm-hmm. We're here in Allie's I'm excited cute to house. be here too. Yes. Thank you. Such a cute house, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. It smells good in here. It's a Bath and Body Works candle. I love oh. it. I love Bath and Body Works. Me too. Everything was on sale the other day, yeah. so really? I went and bought, like, spent way too much money. <laughs> I think I'm still... I think I still have like five unused candles from their last sale. Because really? they do that yeah. thing where it's like, yes. what, you can buy like 10? Yeah, well, this one last week was, the all the candles were 50% off. And really? I mean, regularly, they're like $25 a piece. Yeah. So they were ringing up like 12 bucks a piece. Whoa. Go crazy. So okay. How much did you get? I only got two of the candles, but <laughs> okay. all the lotions and everything were also only $5 a piece. So I racked really? up on like all kinds of lotions and body huh. stuff too. I love it. Man. Well, do you want to tell us a little bit about your background and what was your life like before your accident? So before my accident, I was in nursing school. Um, I was actually, I had only been out of high school for right at almost a year and I had been going all through high school. I went to high school half a day, college half a day, working through all of my nursing program and everything. So I didn't have much longer to go once I graduated only had about a year and a half to go so I was working on that and then one morning Saturday it was a Saturday morning um, January 31st of 2015 I was taking our eight-week-old puppy Lily to the vet for her shots Mm -hmm. and um, a hay truck that was carrying stolen hay was in my lane coming at me head-on and I swerved to miss. And when I swerved, I went off the road and went to flipping end over end. Mm-hmm. And I flipped for 75 yards and was ejected and thrown about 50 feet from the car, landing flat on my back on the ground. Oh um, I'll never forget the feeling of landing flat on my back out of the air mm-hmm. on the ground. It's like one of those... And it's the only thing I remember is just landing, that feeling of landing, hitting the ground hard as a rock, Mm -hmm. um, flat on my back. And it paralyzed me instantly. Um, It ruptured my spleen and left all of my organs bleeding internally instantly. Um, I remember bits and pieces of someone screaming. It was in front of someone's house on Mm -hmm. Bowden Ties Road in Bowden. And I remember hearing somebody scream, say something, say something. And I think all I said was help. And I remember a man coming over, running over to me. I was laying in a patch of briars, which Mm. actually protected me um, from any other injuries because the patch was so thick. But um, I remember him saying, I've got help on the way. I've got help on the way. And I remember him trying to like pick me up. And because of my nursing background and everything, I... For some reason, my instincts still knew for him to not touch me, don't move me. Oh, and wow. I think all I said, like when he went to like try to like lift my head, I said, don't touch me, don't touch yeah. me. Wow. Because I knew that if he moved me, I was it was liable to make things worse. Yeah. And I didn't even remember saying any of that. And, you know, I couldn't piece mm-hmm. it all together until after the fact. He had kept up with my story the whole time I was in the hospital. He was actually like devastated over the whole thing and was Mm -hmm. still like picturing it in his head he was outside washing his truck when it happened so and then his wife was at the kitchen at their kitchen sink washing dishes and she seen everything through the window 
So he was actually devastated, tried to jump in the ambulance with me. They put me in the ambulance, took me to Tyus Baptist Church where a helicopter could land. And thankfully, it, it was so weird. I didn't find out until after the fact, but mm-hmm. um, I was able to meet the EMTs and firefighters and everyone who was first on the scene that day. And they let me know that it was just a miracle that it played out the way it did. For some reason, the helicopter was already in the air, Hmm. just circling the area. And for some reason, it just happened at that moment and the helicopter was able to get there immediately when it did. And they let me know that, you know, if the helicopter had not gotten there, if the helicopter Hmm. had not been in the air that day already, then it would have taken them a good 45 minutes to get out there and it wouldn't, the outcome would have been completely different because when they put me in that helicopter, I took my last breath and Mm -hmm. they had to do chest compressions and everything to keep blood pumping through my lungs um, until I landed at Grady. And then when I landed at Grady, I was rushed into immediate surgery to have my spleen removed since it had ruptured and then have two tears on the inside of my stomach repaired too. Um, it had my spleen when it ruptured and all the organs were bleeding. It had cut the inside of my stomach in two places. So I had those, that repaired and had the spleen removed immediately. And then it wasn't, I was still on a ventilator in an ICU mm-hmm. for three days. They didn't know how extensive my spinal damage or anything was because I was not stable enough to have x-rays or CT scans or anything yet. Mm-hmm. they So they couldn't mm-hmm. find out any of that. So three days later, I was finally stable enough where they could take me for my x-rays and CT scans. And on those is whenever they seen that I had a hangman bone fracture in my neck at C2. And also my entire back um, was shattered into just thousands mm-hmm. of pieces. And um, they had to send me into an eight-hour back surgery the next day. And during that is when they determined that my spinal cord was severed at level T12 too, which left me paralyzed from waist Mm. down. And they, they corrected my spine itself with rods and screws and everything all the way down my back. But even on my x-ray pictures after the surgery, you can still see just like fragment pieces just Mm -hmm. floating around in my back everywhere. The ones that, you know, cause it was just shattered into so many pieces. They're like, there's no fixing it. It just has to heal that way. Um, I could not have surgery on my neck because it was on the hangman bone. And if they Mm. were to do surgery on it, it would kill me instantly. Really? So, and they had said, you know, with that being a fracture, if it had snapped all the way, then it would, it would have killed me instantly because when that bone breaks, everything's gone. But, um, thankfully it was just a fracture. I had to wear a neck brace and a huge TLSO turtle shell back brace for, six months seven months I couldn't Mm. sit up all the way for like even in bed I couldn't sit up all the way for like three months four months something like that I stayed at Grady in ICU for two and a half weeks and then was transferred to the Shepherd Center at the Shepherd Center I spent an entire seven and a half months there um doing very intense physical occupational recreational therapy the whole nine yards and I would not be where I am today without them, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, they they taught me how to be completely independent from the wheelchair, how to live with nothing but the use of my arms and hands. Wow. And everything they do is just amazing for yeah. 
everyone. That's so awesome. I have a friend Chase who he yes he went to the Shepherd Center mm-hmm. too, and he has the same things to say about them. Yeah, I know Chase. He actually, when I posted the pictures of my beach wheelchair a few days ago mm-hmm. on Instagram, he actually messaged me and was like, "Where did you get that?" Oh, cool. <laughs> so does like, it I have need just one. like really because i've seen like the ones you push with the big wheels mm-hmm. is that kind of what it looks like yes so it has the bit it's an electric wheelchair and it mm-hmm. has the big balloon tires on it that mm-hmm. roll like straight through the sand okay. with no problem and um it's nice. literally the best thing ever yes. yeah I your tiktok those. was so great <laughs> <laughs> do you want to explain that a little bit the whole time okay so when we were at the beach week before last of course i was like in the beach wheelchair and playing around I'm always just like doing new stuff in it yeah every time we go and uh, my husband had the bright idea instead of pulling (laughs) the wagon through the sand he decided he was gonna be lazy and hook the wagon to the back of the wheelchair it was actually hooked with my dog's leash (laughs) because that's all we had (laughs) and the whole time and it it pulled through the sand and everything without tipping over I was like this wagon is gonna tip over in the sand behind me and then like pull me up and go backwards you know but it didn't it pulled through the sand the whole time and the whole time that I was like riding like that I was like I bet everyone is staring at me because I look like such a redneck yeah and the whole time I all I could think of was that song rednecker than you that I hear on the radio all the time and I was like I'm making a tick I was like you have to video this I've got to make a tiktok out of this so that was my very first tiktok video I never thought I would make a tiktok video because for so long like I was just I haven't not been into tiktok you know like I'm all about Instagram Facebook and everything but I just couldn't get into tiktok and then now it's like I've made that video and now I'm addicted to tiktok too that's hilarious I love it so what what were like going back to the hospital when you kind of started to wake up and realize what had happened to you what was kind of your initial so it's crazy I at Grady um when I woke up I still had the ventilator and everything all the tubes down my throat so I could not talk at all mm-hmm. but and I couldn't even sit up still so all I had to do was lay flat in the bed and I was still had the ventilator down my throat because like my eyes were open and mm-hmm. I was awake, but I wasn't awake for long periods of time. Yeah. And I was still just kind of in and out of it. Mm-hmm. And I actually learned to communicate by writing. Mm-hmm. So I would lay flat on my back and I would just, you know, anybody that was in the room with me, my way of communicating was just writing the best I could to them. And it's, we still have all of my notes that I was like yeah. writing mm-hmm. everyone in the hospital and it's a lot of it's just like jumbled up and written on top of each other like yeah. words written on top of each <laughs> other and everything like that but um there's just I would be like I can't feel my legs you know mm-hmm. like I knew I was mm-hmm. I was alert enough to know that like I could not feel the whole lower half of my body yeah but I didn't understand why at the time mm-hmm. um so I was just writing you know I can't feel my legs what is wrong with me and I even wrote at one point my nursing career is over mm-hmm. and this and that but um that's like I, I was alert enough to know that but I was just still out of it to where you know I wasn't staying awake for long yeah. periods of time and so I remember you know that feeling mm-hmm. but I don't remember exactly like I don't remember a point where I was just like 
woke up fully and just like knew I was paralyzed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I still just didn't understand why I couldn't feel my legs. Mm-hmm. And then I remember, you know how they always say like people that are in comas will like remember what the mm-hmm. doctors say mm-hmm. if yes. the doctors are in the room. It's so weird because I was completely out of it, still in the ventilator. And they had given, they had, you know, given me more of my medicines and stuff to not knock me out for the day one day. But the doctor pulled all of my family members and Amos and everyone in the room and let them know that I was paralyzed from the waist down and I would never walk again. And Mm -hmm. I remember I was asleep, but I remember hearing him say that to everyone. It's crazy. And I was like, so now it's true. Like people in comas do remember everything that the doctors say, you know, but so I remember him telling them that. And I remember my granddad, he's a preacher um, at Baptist Tabernacle in LaGrange. And I remember him saying, well, if God can move mountains, then he can move her legs. (laughs) But that's all I remember. I remember hearing all of that and remember hearing those conversations, but I don't remember ever being like angry or anything like that. It's kind of just like, I knew the whole time mm-hmm. that I couldn't feel my legs and I knew that wow. life was going to be different, but I never got like angry about it. And yeah. of course, like when I got moved to Shepherd, um, trying to, you know, with them trying to teach me certain things and start physical therapy and everything, I did get angry at one point there because I also forgot to mention when I got there, I was put in a regular room for the first two days. Mm-hmm. And I, they, I still could not breathe. I still mm-hmm. had no, like they were still having to keep me on the breathing tubes and ventilators. They could not figure out why I could not breathe without the ventilator. So ended up being put in ICU there. They mm-hmm. ran scans. Come to find out, Grady had sent me two shepherds still with collapsed lungs. <laughs> so then I ended up next door at Piedmont and mm-hmm. had lung surgery at Piedmont. Wow. But right after the lung surgery... Um, I went back to ICU at Shepherd, stayed in there for another three and a half weeks. Mm. And when I was still in ICU at Shepherd, physical therapists were coming in and they were working with me, just trying to do like stretches and stuff in the bed um, while I was recovering from the lung surgery. And at that point is when I was getting angry. I was like, I don't want to do mm-hmm. any of this. Like I was just mad at the world, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And they were like, tough, you're going to do it. <laughs> They're like, we're going to stretch your legs. We're going to yeah. get you up yeah. in a wheelchair out of the bed we're going to do this. And I was just, you know, that was, that's the only time I really remember being like mm-hmm. angry because like once I got to know the physical mm-hmm. therapist, because after that I was able to, you know, come off the ventilator and yeah. wake up fully and be fully alert. Once I got to know the therapist that was coming in every day, mm-hmm. it would, got easier. Yeah. And, you know, I really, I built a connection with them. Mm-hmm. There's nothing like like the connection I had with those very first physical therapists and occupational therapists I had, because they seen all of the nitty gritty, all Mm -hmm. of those inpatient physical therapists and occupational therapists at Shepherd Center. They see the worst part of people whenever Mm -hmm. they first come in Mm -hmm. from accidents like mine. And they're the ones who force you to get up out of bed and teach you how you're going to live again, how you're going to get your life back. So really they the connection I had with them is what pushed me you know to agree with them like okay I gotta do this you know I gotta push through and and from then on out it was amazing like just you know connecting with them and having them teach me everything and learning everything there's nothing like the bond that I had with them I still talk to them to this day and meet up with 
them for lunch and everything like that and mm. it's just awesome gave you, gave you that tough love yeah they did and it, that's what it was. it was it was tough love they were like yeah. tough you're going to do this yeah <laughs> well I kind of I feel like I experienced sort of the same thing when I lost my sight like I don't have a moment where mm-hmm. I panicked or yeah I remember oh I'm blind like this is gonna be what it is for it's kind of, of just life. like you've got to you just got to face it mm-hmm. and like your instincts and your other senses kick in, you yeah. know, to where it's like, you just, yeah. you're like, yeah. okay, I've got to figure this out instead yeah. of being mad at the world about it. And I think maybe all the trauma that we went through, you know, mine was a lot different from yours, but mm-hmm. all that time we spent kind of out of it yeah. sort of eased us into it. Yes. And then, I do think that's, that had a lot to do with yeah. it. And then I'm, I'm the same way. Like I didn't get really angry until I started trying mm-hmm. to be independent again. Yes. And that's where it gets frustrating when you realize, okay, I can't yeah. I can't do what I did before. But then when you start learning it yep. a little bit. And you're like, okay, there's got to be a way. I just got to figure this yeah. out. And you start trying to, you know, come up with different ideas and things to mm-hmm. figure it out. Then it gets a lot easier. It takes a lot of creativity and a lot yep. of determination. Yep. So your dog was in the car with you. Yes. You said. So tell us about that. She mm-hmm. survived too with no injuries. <laughs> I don't know... <laughs> And I know a lot of times I was hearing, you know, they were wondering, like, if she had distracted me. She didn't distract me driving because, it's a funny story, that Mm -hmm. morning I was running late because she was refusing to get in the car. Like, she knew something bad was going to happen. We ran laps with her for, like, an hour and a half around the yard (laughs) trying to catch her. And she was, like, getting stuck in, like, the pasture fences and briars and everything too. She would not let us get to her and she was no bigger than my hand at the time. And she would not let us catch her, but she was refusing. And like the whole time we'd go to pick her up, she would just be sitting there just like shaking and like looking at us. Like she was like, I'm not getting in this car. So I finally caught her and well, Amos did. And I called the vet, let Mm -hmm. them know that I couldn't get her in the car and that we were running late, but on the way, then, you know, we never made Mm -hmm. it to the vet. But the, and so she was in the passenger seat because I remember when we got her in the car, I was like, sit here and stay. I was so (laughs) mad at her. I was like, stay, do not even come over here. So she was riding in the passenger seat and it's so weird now looking back. I'm like, I know there was a reason she was refusing to get in the car because her, and I should have listened to her instincts because she knew that something was going to happen. She knew she was going to be put in danger, but she got out with no injuries and we, the, they still don't know what part of the vehicle I went out of mm-hmm. where I was ejected from. I still have glass in my head to this day. So Whoa. I know that somehow, some way, mm-hmm. the glass got in my head, mm-hmm. but I did not go through the windshield hmm. or through a window. The really? windshield was busted, but it was still like intact on the yeah. edges to where it wouldn't have been if I went through the windshield. Yeah. So when I was flipping end over end, they're thinking that the passenger door opened and I went out the passenger door huh. really from the midair. So I'm th- and she was in the passenger seat. So I'm thinking that whenever I was being flown out of the passenger door, mm-hmm. I scooped her up and held her oh. the whole way down. Yeah, that's the only thing we can think of is and that's how she had no injuries. But and it's funny because when I hit the ground, I remember. My first thought was, oh my gosh, Lily. And I tried to get up and I could not move. I couldn't move anything but my arms. I mean, there was no getting up. And then that's when, after that, when I laid there and I heard him running over 
Mm-hmm. I just completely blacked out. I heard the sirens mm-hmm. coming and I don't remember anything after oh. that. I, the next thing I remember is waking up at Grady on a ventilator, you know, several days later. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's crazy. And I mean, she's now she's my registered emotional support oh. animal. Yeah, she deserves um, it. You yeah. deserve it. But she ran off, right? And then y'all yes, found her. Um, they found her. A lot of our friends found her hiding in a chicken house that was right up oh. from the scene. She's so they scared. looked for her for like six hours, I think, after the wreck. And mm. she was just sitting there in a chicken house trembling when they found her. And oh. Amos took care of her the whole time I was yeah. in the hospital. And Shepard allowed her to come up on the weekends and see me and everything. Aww. So I bet she was so happy was to nice. see you. Yes. And Aww. the first time I seen her after the accident, it was like we had this instant bond. Aww. You know, like she knew it. She didn't forget who I was. She yeah. knew exactly who yeah. I was. It's like she knew exactly what had happened. She knew I was hurt. And yeah. it was just... It was amazing that Shepard let her come up and because they always told me, you know, animals are a good way to mm-hmm. cope with everything. So yeah. they understood and yeah. allowed her to come up on the weekends and see me. That's Aww. sweet. It's really sweet, especially since she lived through it with. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. By yeah. the way, my dog's name is Lily. Really? It's <laughs> in the name. <laughs> well, can you tell us what you think the hardest part of the whole process has been for you emotionally or physically? Um, I want to say the emotional aspect of it all was harder mm-hmm. than the physical aspect of it all. I mean, of course, the physical aspect was hard, like trying to learn how to do things and mm-hmm. how to be independent again with nothing but the use of your arms and hands. But the emotional aspect of coping with it all mm-hmm. is what was the hardest. Um, mm-hmm. Just the trying to grasp the mentality of mm-hmm. okay this is how life is and you gotta just roll with it and yeah. move on you know you got you gotta figure things out so that was the hardest part I think yeah. yeah and it's something I'm sure you would say the same like it's it's a choice every day yes like it's not like mm-hmm. you get over it and you're like okay I'm good now it's yes. something you're gonna face every single day yes so. you do and I mean there's still certain things that I try to do and I just get so mm-hmm frustrated with trying to do it and I I my whole life I've always been so independent like Mm -hmm. even like my mom has stories from even when I was a young child like I didn't want help with anything Mm -hmm. and so I cannot stand I'm still that way I can't stand asking for (laughs) help or anything and so learning to be okay with asking Mm. for help is what was the hardest for me like learning to say okay I can't do this I need your help Mm -hmm. so that it was it was very difficult even to this day if I'm in the grocery store I can't and I can't reach something I can't stand asking someone to get it down for me it just I don't know I guess it's like a pride thing Mm -hmm. like it's almost like no I'm gonna figure out how to get it down I'm the same way like I feel like it makes me appear vulnerable to people Mm -hmm. and I don't want to appear that way exactly yeah but I think I'm and I've always been very independent Mm -hmm. and I think it makes things harder for us because we want so badly to be independent again but then I think at the same time it makes things in the long run better because we're mm-hmm. going to strive to get that independence back exactly. and we're going to have that determination exactly so it's kind of that double-edged sword yeah. thing but i'm the same way i hate asking for help yeah i can't stand it it's like my i don't know it just it's like a little it takes a little piece of pride out of yes to, to every ask time. for help yeah i'm the same way i understand but what do you think 
motivated you? Probably your independence was part of it. Mm -hmm. And I know you talked about your physical therapist and your writing. So what do you think really gave you that drive? Um, Really what gave me the drive was whenever Shepard moved me back from ICU into back into a regular room again, and being in physical therapy, it's it's a huge therapy gym that I was mm-hmm. in every day. And being in physical therapy and occupational therapy in the gym with other people who had it way worse than me, mm-hmm. people who had very high, you know, my, I'm just from waist down. Yeah. Other people had it from, they were paralyzed from neck down. Mm-hmm. And seeing them doing, looking over at the mat next to me, seeing them doing their physical therapy, that was completely different. Mm-hmm. Seeing them move their wheelchairs with a thing that they blow in with their mouth and me being able to use my hands to move my wheelchair. That's what really motivated me was seeing everyone else that I was in therapy with Mm -hmm. who had it 10 times worse. That's what made me, it made it click in my head. Like, okay, this isn't so bad. Like I can be independent. And then just seeing, I mean, Shepard also does brain injury. So Mm -hmm. seeing the brain injury patients and everything, it just made me Mm -hmm. realize like, wow, this could have been, 10 times worse than what it was and you know here it is they're having to learn things completely different from me and they will never Mm -hmm. be independent again Mm -hmm. and my therapist was sitting there saying you know see like you can be as independent as you want to I can teach you how to be as independent as you want to with your arms and hands she's like you're going to get there she's like them they're never going to get there it's very low chance she's like you are so blessed like you Mm -hmm. can do this so that's what really motivated me was seeing other people and just remembering I still Mm -hmm. think even on my tough days now because not every day is easy or good and I still think there's someone else out there that has it 10 times worse than I do and they would kill to have my bad days so Mm -hmm. that's what makes me just I love that attitude it's it's like focusing on what you still have instead of dwelling on what you don't have yeah Mm -hmm. and in the beginning it's so easy to focus on well I can't do this I can't do that Mm -hmm. you know to focus on everything you can't do anymore or everything you don't have as far as you know the function of your legs and Mm -hmm. I mean spinal cord injury is not just your legs it's also bowel and bladder it's balance Mm -hmm. it's it's everything and so it's easy to focus own all of those little things but if you focus on everything you do still have and everything you can still do Mm -hmm. it makes it a lot easier yeah putting all that energy that you kind of waste yeah focusing on what you can't do and put it into making what you can do better and exploring everything you know finding new ways to to do things Mm -hmm. that's a really good attitude we Mm -hmm. all need that attitude everybody I think listening needs to have that attitude Talk about your family support. And I know, you know, Amos was there mm-hmm. from the very beginning. So did that that did drive help. you as well? Um, that did help. And I will say I had one of the best mm-hmm. support systems from family and mm-hmm. friends and Amos, everyone. And that played a huge role in motivating me and keeping me going with mm-hmm. therapy and everything and still having that support today is what keeps me going too. And I knew that having that would make Mm -hmm. me go further, would make Mm -hmm. me go far way more, or what am I trying to say here? Far (laughs) beyond what I was expecting at the time. Yeah. yeah. So that definitely, it played a huge role. And at the time me and Amos had only been together for six months. Um, and you know, when I, I remember when I first woke up at Grady, I remember, asking my parents like he he's probably he can't do this Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. they were like he says he can and 
they told me too that you know they had a talk with him when they got the news from the doctor at Grady that I was paralyzed they sat down with him and they were like look like if you don't think you can handle this then leave now don't Mm -hmm. you know drag it out and you know make things Mm -hmm. hard on her so they're they're like you know tell us now do you want to be with her or Mm -hmm. not do you think you can do this and he was full force into it he was he was like yes he was like i'm not going anywhere and he didn't he he seen me at my absolute worst Mm -hmm. and stuck through every little thing he learned how to take care of me at shepherd too and he was there and um him and my mom have been my biggest support systems Mm -hmm. but um i mean if i didn't have the support system then yeah it would have been worse i i don't know i know people with disabilities we always get annoyed when people see us mm-hmm. in relationships with somebody who's you know quote normal yeah, and yeah. they're like oh they must they must be such a good yes. person and it does get annoying but him watching you go through that knowing yeah. you before and after mm-hmm. i wouldn't necessarily take say it takes a special person it just takes somebody actually loving yes you. Yeah. and i think that's the distinction people need to make it you don't have to have like some you know yeah and i always look at it too as yeah. like you know even my parents were just like shocked and absolutely amazed by him mm-hmm. and the way he handled it because they're like anyone else at the time I was 19 yeah he was 21 and they're like any other 19 year old going through this who has only been with someone for six months mm-hmm. that person's liable to leave you yeah. know like oh, yeah. they're gonna say this is too much for me to handle like yeah. I can't yeah. deal with this and he didn't he he Aww. stuck by and y'all are Aww. married now yep and we're Aww. married now sweet how long have y'all been married we've been married october of this year will be two years oh that's sweet so can you tell us a little bit about wedding planning and how that all works? yes so um i knew from the get-go one of the first things that i thought of when i was you know learning that i was paralyzed yeah. from waist down was you know how am i going to walk down the aisle one day mm-hmm. because like i had all these plans yeah. in my head from the time i was a little girl and like nothing was going to be the same you know Mm -hmm. but it turns out that it was the same (laughs) um so i was introduced to leg braces Mm -hmm. at shepherd center when i started my outpatient therapy with them once i was getting completely independent Mm -hmm. they had offered for me to try some leg braces and um i was like okay well that was literally the hardest thing I had to do in physical therapy I think the entire seven and a half months I was there like those learning to use those leg braces and coordinate with them was so difficult at first Mm -hmm. I could not even handle more than a step or two in them just because I had no balance I had no Mm -hmm. trunk control either so it was somebody having to hold on to the back of me Mm -hmm. with a gate belt too and you know try to hold me up and at the time also my body was still weak I didn't have the strength to Mm -hmm. hold myself up and it was difficult and I was like I can't do this but then once I got the hang of the leg braces Mm -hmm. I ended up getting my own pair of leg braces and when it came to wedding planning a light bulb went off and I was like I am going to use these to walk down the aisle I'm going to wear these under a wedding dress so my physical therapist that I still go to today um, his name is Justin Rich and he's at Excel Physical Therapy he has an office here in Carrollton and then he also has one in Villarica Mm -hmm. and Dallas and in Douglasville too and the night that Amos asked me to marry him Mm -hmm. um, we were engaged I sent a snapchat to 
my physical therapist and I was like are you ready to train me to walk down the aisle (laughs) and he said let's do it so um he worked with me for a good we were engaged for a year and 10 months and that entire year and 10 months was nothing but training in those leg braces to walk down the aisle and when it came to wedding dress shopping I even had to take them with me too because I was looking for I didn't want you to be able to Mm -hmm. see the leg braces Mm -hmm. under the dress yeah so I had to make sure that I had like a flowy dress you know something that the leg braces would go under easily for me to get on on wedding day and just so that way it would make it easier to walk too Mm -hmm. so I took those leg braces with me and stood trying on wedding dresses everything um the whole nine yards and they got me down the aisle on wedding day kind of beautiful thank you things in perspective i mean you hear all these bridezillas worrying about colors (laughs) yes that was the least of my worries my main worry was oh my god am i going to make it down the aisle and then even like at rehearsal the day before I had never, see, I had been practicing in physical therapy Mm -hmm. all this time, but I had been doing it outside on concrete Mm. in the parking lot or either inside on commercial carpet. Gotcha. So grass and uphill was completely different. It was a (laughs) totally different ball game. And I put them on at rehearsal to practice and I did not, I got so frustrated. I tried Mm. it, it was uphill and on grass, slick grass. And I tried it like three times. I did like three laps and I was just getting so frustrated. Mm -hmm. I went home from rehearsal in tears. I was like, I can't do this. I cannot do it. And everybody was like, yes, you can. You're going to do it. You're going to do it. It'll be fine. Your adrenaline's going to be pumping tomorrow. Mm -hmm. It's going to be fine. You'll, you'll make it. Well, it came down to that day and I was just like, okay, I have no choice. Like it was, it was on the news and everything. And I was like, like, I have no choice (laughs) but to make it down this aisle. So, and I did, it was difficult. And another thing that played a role in it too, was like my stepdad, he lives here and Mm -hmm. of course right down the road, he's used to like helping me with everything. Him and my Mm -hmm. mom Mm -hmm. are used to like helping me with everything, helping me, you know, transfer and like picking Mm -hmm. me up and everything. He was used to like walking with me in the braces and stuff. My dad lives an hour and a half away and he does not come up to physical therapy or anything. he's yeah. never like been involved in yeah. physical therapy and everything and I was walking I'd have two people because of the leg braces and so I was walking with my dad on one side and my stepdad on the other yeah. well my stepdad knew exactly what he was doing my, my dad <laughs> is not used to like coordinating mm-hmm. with my legs and everything the way he was yeah. so I was kind of like struggling on one side and afterwards even on wedding day I was just like that looked awful that looked awful like I just Aww. criticizing myself yeah. and my mom she was like no one paid attention to how you were walking no. they were yeah. just happy that you did it yeah exactly. so I was like I finally <laughs> grasped that but to this day I still like if I watch my wedding video or anything I just like cringe and like criticize myself oh, like yeah. I'm so nitpicky about how yeah. I look in them but yeah. everybody's like that good. just for different reasons yes. exactly. actually but exactly but I'm now I, t- I try to remind myself like mama's right like yeah. I, I got down the aisle that's all that matters yeah and it's exactly. like your your favorite bible verse you stood yes. and the Lord gave you strength yes you made it, to the it was end. a struggle but I made it I was dying of a heat stroke when I got to the end but <laughs> but I made it oh, oh goodness, goodness. Well, can you tell us how you do things independently around the house as a wife? I do literally everything that I used to do before my accident. I just do it all in a completely different way. Awesome. Everything is adapted. Um, I do all the cleaning and mm-hmm. laundry and anything I want to do. Um, drive every day. I go to the grocery store for us. And I mean, 
dishes, nice. cooking, everything. And it's all adapted to my way. I learned mm-hmm. uh, once I got home, really. And Shepard taught me a lot of that because in their kitchens that they had there, like my main goals were like I was used to being so independent around the house too and Mm -hmm. like doing all of my cleaning and cooking and everything and so that was one of my main goals was you know to get back to doing that and they taught me a lot of it but I will say after you get home and you get back in your own environment Mm -hmm. everything's completely different because at Shepherd Center everything is adapted to ADA laws and everything everything is completely adapted like the countertops have the cutout at the bottom that you just pull up under everything was so easy there because it was Mm -hmm. adapted well then you get home and you get back in your environment and realize like this is reality yeah and you can't afford um hundreds of thousands of dollars (laughs) on all of these renovations to make everything Mm -mm. adapted so you really just find your own ways of doing things and i think every everyone with a spinal cord injury that i've talked to says the same thing is Mm -hmm. they just once you get home you figure out your own little quirks and ways of doing things and once you figure out what works you stick to it and that's what i've done is just Mm -hmm. once i figure something out once i figure out how to do it i just stick to it i don't try to change it i don't do a different way even if somebody tells you yes and that's what a lot of times at shepherd even with like transferring out of my wheelchair into like a regular chair or Mm -hmm. on the mat or anything like that they'd be like you need to transfer this way and i'm like this is what works for me i'm doing it this way yeah they were like just don't um do that in front of you know other therapists or whatever you know and i was just like (laughs) I'm going to do it my way either way. I was very, they learned really quick that I was very stubborn and hard headed. (laughs) And like, once I figured out what worked for me, I stuck with it. Mm -hmm. And that's That's what I've I've still done. And I said, I do everything around here. Just have it adapted and do it a different way. Yeah. It's like USC. Yeah. I'm the same way. Like Mm -hmm. there were certain mobility trainers Mm -hmm. and, and people who would say, Oh, this, it needs to be done this way. Yeah. It's like, okay, well I've never done it that way. Exactly. I'm I'm like, this is, this is the way I started doing it. And this is the way I'm going to finish doing it. So no. (laughs) Yeah. And I've, I've seen you like some of your posts and videos, you, um, have like little things that'll get your clothes out of the wash and mm-hmm. I mean you have different tools but also mm-hmm. a lot of it's just ways you've yes. kind of adapted yourself yes that's cool and then you have mm-hmm. I think you have like a vacuum that's mm-hmm. wireless and yes so I have cool. a um robot vacuum mm-hmm. that does like my daily maintenance or whatever yes, but one of those. Um, and that's one thing I struggled with in the beginning was learning how to vacuum mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. cords get tangled <laughs> all in the wheels yeah it's horrible idea can't even imagine so it was I mean it was was just awful like I was like there's literally no way to do this so um I was introduced to the cordless Dyson vacuums too that has been a total game changer so I use that um anytime I'm like deep cleaning or like on my thick shag rug in living room and then the robot vacuums are a total lifesaver for just like running on the floor every day does it take you a lot longer I know for me like things just take Mm -hmm. me a lot longer it does and even just like getting ready like I have all these extra steps to do Mm -hmm, now mm -hmm. in order to get ready or in order you know if I'm cleaning everything takes me longer yeah so I mean it's crazy but everywhere I go I'm late literally (laughs) I'm at least I'm just like people that know me I'm just like you know I'm gonna be there I'm just gonna be like five to ten minutes late (laughs) (laughs) like like I'm always you can count on me to be ten minutes late everywhere I go because plan to be late yes I mean it's just like and it's just I can't help it like I just I get 
And a lot, even when I'm getting ready, not everything goes as planned mm-hmm. every day either. Yeah. Sometimes different outfits take longer. So like I'll plan yeah. to be ready at this time, <laughs> but then I get, then I struggle with getting my blue jeans on. Then like my mm-hmm. feet are too swollen that day. And so mm-hmm. yeah. my shoes won't go on right. And it's just like everything. And then you have to wait on your feet to go down, you know? Yeah. So it's just like everything takes me longer and doing all the extra steps I have to do takes longer. And people, I feel like I get judged for like, being late everywhere I go like my family makes fun of me and I'm like I want to see y'all get ready the way I have to get ready and then tell me if you can be on time let's get an empathy exercise exactly let's see how you handle it but I'm always interested because I know with blindness there's a lot of misconceptions and stereotypes Mm -hmm. I'm always Mm -hmm. interested in other situations what would you say are kind of some of the top misconceptions or stereotypes um I think one of the main stereotypes in living from a wheelchair is that you have to drive a van that is not the case I drive a Honda Accord um and see a lot of people too a lot of people too think that like my wheelchair just like folds up like those wheelchairs Uh you can buy at like Walmart no that's not the case either um like a lot of times people are shocked when they see me like breaking down my entire wheelchair to get it in the car so I have to take I I transfer into the car I have to take the tires off then I I fold the back down the back piece is the only piece of my chair that folds down Um, I fold it down you know take the tires off get the tires in and then I take I have to take the cushion out and put the Mm -hmm. cushion in the floorboard and then I pick up the entire frame with one hand and throw it over into the passenger seat and so a lot of people think oh your wheelchair just folds up and goes in the back seat no it doesn't work like that like it's a total workout just to get in the car yeah but um that's and that's one thing like you know Shepard always they wanted me to try like practice transferring into like different vans and vehicles and stuff Mm -hmm. at the time and I would like I had no desire to I was just like no because I'm not I'm not doing that like I'm not driving that so um they were trying to teach me you know like about hand controls and that's another stereotype too is they think a lot of times they think you can't drive at all Mm -hmm. and that's not the case I drive with hand controls and I mean anybody that gets in the vehicle with me always says that it literally feels no different they just they don't even think about it they think I'm driving with my feet and really I'm driving with my hands um, so, cool. so, so how exactly does that work? Yeah, I'm interested. So mine are called push rock hand controls and I just have a little lever right next mm-hmm. to my steering wheel mm-hmm. and a little knob on my steering wheel. The huh. knob, I don't really use much. It's mainly for left turns because on a left turn, you can't like go all the way around with one hand, you know, mm-hmm. you usually have to go all the way around with it. Yeah. And I'm using my other hand to hold the gas and brake. I push it forward mm-hmm. for the brake and pull it towards me for the gas. Really? And the knob is just for left turns because if I'm, cool. you know, you usually have to do that all the way around. And a lot of times, even for some left turns, like I don't huh. even use it. I yeah. don't use it a whole lot. I could honestly go without it, but it does help sometimes. Oh, that's um, so so cool. yeah. everything's adapted. And even, I mean, another stereotype too, I, I feel like sometimes I pull up and I have to have a handicap spot to have the mm-hmm. lines. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. It's not that I don't, I mean, I wish yeah. all parking places had the lines and yeah. the space for me to get mm-hmm. out, but I have to open my door all the way when I park and have to have room to unload my mm-hmm. wheelchair, put it together in the lines in the parking lot. A lot of times I feel like I'm being judged when I pull yeah. up in a handicap spot because there's like an old person <laughs> parked in the next one over yeah. and I pull up and park and they literally look over at me and I'm, they're like, this young girl is parking in this. Yeah. And then they feel awful when they see me <laughs> see? open the door and start getting my wheelchair out. Yeah. But I feel like that's, it's another like misconception is mm-hmm. like and just like people judging by first 
appearance, mm-hmm. you know, as soon as I pull up, because when I pull up, I just look like anyone else sitting yep. in the vehicle yeah. driving. They can't see my wheelchair over mm-hmm. in the next seat, you know? Yeah. So I feel like I get judged that by you know parking in handicapped places sometimes but it's like and I wish I didn't have to because if I if every parking place had lines I love it when I can find a parking place that has like sometimes you know on the ends they'll have like the lines Mm -hmm. I love it when I can find a parking place like that that already has lines and Mm -hmm. I don't have to park in a handicap because I'm like I'm not handicapped (laughs) but but (laughs) I'm like I'm normal you know but um I mean it's just the reality of it I have to have the lines to get Mm -hmm. out and I feel like people I've, that's yeah. another thing I've learned to do is don't judge a book by its cover because yes, I exactly. even I see some people who you know park in a handicapped spot too they'll mm-hmm. be like park beside me or in front of me I'll come out and they'll just be like getting in their car like walking nothing yeah. wrong with them and I'm like I have to remind myself I'm like they could have like a heart condition yeah. you know anything you never know you never know and I feel like you know I always think back to you know like the way people look at me mm-hmm. when I pull yeah. up in one when an old person sees me and they think yeah. this young girl just parked here whenever <laughs> we need she? it yeah. yeah and then they see me get out and I'm like I have to remind myself you know they could have anything could be wrong with them exactly. not all disabilities are visible right. So I definitely remind myself of that. Yeah, I've caught myself thinking mm-hmm. more about that too because with me, people don't know I'm blind if I'm exactly. just sitting mm-hmm. and then when yes. I like don't pay attention to them or if I'm moving slow yes. and they get impatient, I have to remind myself, you know, you shouldn't have to have something yes. outwardly mm-hmm. wrong with you for people to just And be then kind. I try to remind myself too, just like there's been, I'll get stopped in the grocery store and people will just say the stupidest things sometimes <laughs> and... Yeah. I mean, honestly, like just offensive yeah. things. Like they'll just they'll just randomly come up to me and just ask like the most bizarre questions, <laughs> or like they'll come up to me and they'll they won't know that I'm paralyzed mm-hmm. and they'll think they're like, oh, you broke your back, and I'm like, no, uh, I what? severed my spinal cord. Uh, like there's like most people don't realize there's a difference between yeah. breaking your back. Like yes, my entire back was shattered, but it also went through to my spinal cord. That's what paralyzed me. That's yeah. why I'm in the wheelchair. If you just break your back, and you can still walk, you can still do right. all these things. You're gonna be in physical therapy and recover for a while, yeah. but you're still you're gonna get back to your normal life, you know. And I feel like that's what people too like. They just think that I'm some young girl, and a lot of times I feel like because I looked mm-hmm. just like a normal person sitting mm-hmm. in my wheelchair, I feel like they look at me like, oh, nothing's wrong with her. She's faking, yeah. you know. Yeah. And like that's so offensive to me because I'm like, if you only knew the things yeah. I go through on yeah. a daily basis and the way I have to live yeah like you would not look at me that way but I've learned the different looks I've learned the mm-hmm. like different stares that people mm-hmm. give me in public I've learned like the just curious stare yeah. you know I feel like some people are looking at me with that look like I'm just wondering what happened to her like yeah. why she's in a wheelchair yeah and then I've also learned just like the hateful like judgmental mm-hmm. stares and I've learned the just like you know they think I'm faking it stairs yeah. like I've, I've learned people's different looks over the years <laughs> wow oh my god that's something I think my family has learned too with yeah. me the different looks but that's yeah. I'm sure that's frustrating but mm-hmm. also you want to I try to remind myself like they don't know yeah. like they're yeah. you know I, most people are just curious yeah and I they try to remind well. myself yes I try to remind yeah. myself like they just they don't know they don't realize so exactly and I try to remind myself like I was taught growing up to not stare at people in wheelchairs and mm-hmm. you know to treat them the same treat everyone the same but I try to remind myself too that in these days and times not all parents yeah <laughs> teach their True. kids to do that I not know. all parents you no. know teach anyone to do that so right. yeah but you get to teach people yes yeah. I do I do try to if I ever get questions or anything like that I try to mm-hmm educate people in the nicest way 
possible and because more people yeah, do need to learn exactly you know? i like it when parents do let their kids ask yes because a lot of times i do love that just shush their kids and then they, I they're can't never gonna that. learn yes i'll be in a store or something and kids honestly just think the wheelchair is the coolest thing <laughs> i mean they think i'm just some transformer Aww. and they just love it they want to yeah. go for a ride so <laughs> and i mean even like my little nephews like they just they're all they're all about the wheelchair and it yeah. makes you feel good about it you know it makes mm-hmm. you realize like they're learning to yes. look at it as you know something fun like yeah. something that is normal to them yeah and I can't stand when I'm in a store or something and a little kid is like pointing or like look mommy you know and yes. the mom's like shh and like snatches their kid mm-hmm. away and I'm just like it's okay yeah. it's, it's okay like I yeah. can you know say hey to your child and yeah. let your child know that like this I still yeah. live a normal life just yeah. like they do they need to be taught that they yeah, need to be taught exactly. that it's okay to interact with people with disabilities yeah, and treat them, and treat like them the same yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. you're still a when human. you when you exactly and yeah. when you like sh- your kid and like snatch mm-hmm. them away it teaches them like it's gonna they're gonna grow up to think well oh I can't talk to yeah. this person yeah. because they're disabled you know like exactly. it's not fair look down on you exactly yeah so on the podcast <laughs> we always like to focus on the positives that come out of you know dark or hard situations so what would you say is one of the biggest positives that have come from your your accident one of the biggest positives i think is i look at life in a completely different way Mm -hmm. than i used to like i just look back and i'm like all those things for 19 years that i Mm -hmm. took for granted and i didn't Mm -hmm. realize i was taking them for granted and i mean you don't and Mm -hmm. You think, you know, you grow up thinking, well, you're blessed, you're thankful and everything, but deep down, you're still taking every little thing for granted that you don't even realize. Mm -hmm, And I just feel like now I look at life in a completely different way. I treat every day as like it was my last and just I try to just stay, you know, optimistic about Mm -hmm. everything. I feel like I can't even if I'm having the worst day, Mm -hmm. my mental aspect of everything is like so strong that now it's just like my first thought instead of being negative about it oh well my day's ruined blah 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 I'm just like (laughs) it'll be over you know by the end of the day this afternoon will be different you know like and I just I feel like that's my first thought and I feel like if I had not gone through what I went through I wouldn't look at life Mm -hmm. the way that I do and I'm just grateful for every little thing yeah and sometimes it does take a it does. Impossibly hard situation for us to be able to focus it on does. all those yeah, good definitely. things. Because before, I mean, if I had a bad day, oh gosh, the day was just mm-hmm. ruined, you know. And it was like the littlest every, things Everything that was going on. Thing. Yes, and yeah. now I'm just like, that little thing doesn't even yeah. matter. Like, yeah. like it, it doesn't matter. Exactly. I love that. So mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about what you're doing today and how people can follow along with you. So um, today I am a blogger and social media influencer. Um, I am, a, I do like fashion blogging through the like mm-hmm. to know it app. So you can find me on the like to know it app. And then you can also find me on Instagram. I do a lot of, I try to do a mixture of like my fashion stuff on Instagram and, you know, teaching people about mm-hmm. life in a wheelchair. And I do have a lot of spinal cord injury followers. So I try to, you know, be mm-hmm. an inspiration to them too, because mm-hmm. there's a lot of people who, don't have the support system that I had and I've seen it with my own eyes and when you don't have the support system that I had when you're going through something like this a lot of times you can be negative and you know just think that you know your life is over so I try to help all of those people in that situation too through my Instagram yeah and just being that support for others I love the ones that didn't have the support Mm -hmm. yeah 
Well, I really enjoy getting to talk to you more. I know I was a- I was able to interview for the radio, but mm-hmm. that was in the middle of all our quarantine yes. stuff, and it was hard to really talk. So this has been so wonderful for yeah. me, and I know all of our listeners are going to enjoy this. I hope so. It's been fun. Yeah, there's been a lot of good tidbits that I know I've gotten out of it, just to be positive and to focus on what you can mm-hmm. still do or what you mm-hmm. still have instead of focusing always on the negative. Yes. So I hope all of you enjoyed this podcast. I hope you'll go follow me on Facebook, Sarah Claudia Tillman, on Instagram at Sarah Claudia, and keep looking out for the Finding Light podcast. Yes, and when you do find our podcast, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a five-star review. Even write us a review. That'd be great because we really appreciate those. And as always, we pray that you'll continue to find light regardless of your circumstances. See y'all next time. Thanks for having me. Yes, thank you. Next time on Finding Light. And you walk through the doors of Aflac. You've entered a world where we're all fighting cancer. Mm -hmm. And as you are on that floor, you see so many families in all different stages of the journey of cancer. And I think that your faith and knowing that, just like we just talked about that scripture in 2 Corinthians, Mm -hmm. like knowing that Jesus is promising that he will be with us yes. like that we we have that promise we do not have a promise mm-hmm. that we won't mm-hmm. suffer pain yeah. yes, like that absolutely. is not in god's word yeah, yeah. and but he does promise that he will be with us and he mm-hmm. does promise that he will comfort us and so i think that for us you know the one of the very first things i did when we got to Affleck was, you know, I had my, my Bible, Chase had his Bible, we all had our word, and I began like highlighting everything that, that mm-hmm. if, I, if God was sharing it with me, I wanted to treasure it. Yes. Yes. And so my Bible, you know, I, I have one particular Bible that I had with me most of the time that is just covered wow. in promises and truth and things that really just led us to the very next day Mm -hmm. and it was that sustaining life that sustaining breath that got us through every moment one Mm -hmm. step at a time that's coming up next time on finding light